This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. What is stopping fire departments from implementing occupational cancer-focused best practices? That's the question we're tackling on today's episode of the Side Alpha Podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to share a little background for the discussion. We spoke a couple months ago with uh, FDNY Chief Frank Lieb, who shared some great information uh, with our our listeners and our dot-com readers about the FDNY's Contamination Reduction Workgroup. We talked in detail of how to market the message of firefighter occupational cancer awareness and prevention, and we'll include a link to that discussion in the show notes. But one great thing that came out of that discussion was our introduction to Captain John uh, Hazany, who is today's side alpha guest. Captain Hazany has been with the FDNY since 2005, currently serving as the captain for Engine 38, although I understand it may not be captain for too long. We'll see. Uh, he is a founding member of the department's contamination reduction work group. Uh, Chief Hazany, I'm sorry there. See, I gave it to you, right? <laughs> Cap- Captain Hazany uh, got his master's degree in uh, security studies from the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California in 2020. A large part of our discussion today will be an outtake from his thesis uh, for that program. And um, Captain, if it's okay, we're going to put a link to your uh, paper in our show notes for for our listeners. So that'll be up there in the show notes uh, for those that want to be able uh, to take a look um, at that. Captain, welcome to the Side Alpha Podcast. (laughs) Hi, Mark. How are you? Thanks for, again, for the interview. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate it. And John, as as part of your studies at the Naval Postgraduate School, you wrote a thesis, a great paper, I might add, called, uh, you're welcome, uh, called uh, Overcoming uh, Implementation Barriers Within the Fire Service to Reduce Firefighter Cancer Rates. But before we talk about your paper, I want to take some liberty here. You know, when I joined the fire service 40 years ago, we believed that the majority of firefighters were dying in fires, collapses, and other dramatic line of duty death uh, scenarios. Over the years, we, we learned, or maybe it's better said that we chose to begin believing that cardiovascular disease was actually killing more firefighters by far than we believed. We also know um, that the, the firefighters struggle more with suicide and struck by incidents than we really do in structural fatigue related deaths. So now to your thesis, and we know, uh, we'll, we'll um, let me say again, maybe we're choosing to believe it that cancer is becoming a, if not the, leading cause of firefighter deaths. And recognizing that in your abstract, you dive pretty heavily into the social media effects and the proper and improper use of PPE. And your thesis goes on to identify seven barriers that are preventing fire departments from implementing occupational cancer-focused best practices. And we're gonna talk about that here in a little bit. But before we tackle each of those, I'd like to talk about the the what, how, and why, just briefly about the what, how, and why of your study. And, you know, when I teach leadership development, we specifically, we talk about what, how, and why. Um, you know, that most people know what we do, many know how we do it, and 
but few really know why we do what we do when you distill it down. So with respect to your study, let's start with that, with the nebulous of the three, the why. Can you share a bit about your why in studying this topic? Uh, well, again, thank you again for letting me yeah. be here. Uh, the why is uh, definitely, you mentioned before, the chief lead is, uh, I consider chief lead my uh, uh, unofficial mentor for this program when I was in Naval Postgraduate degree. And it actually was him that suggested the topic so of cancer, firefighter cancer, and stuff like that. But behind that is where also in the Naval Postgraduate School, they teach you find a thesis that you're motivated by is where you have a personal story behind it. And that part is where Frank actually got to me is where, unfortunately, at that time when I started Naval Postgraduate School, I lost a uh, what was my senior firefighter from my original firehouse, Ladder 43 in Spanish Harlem. He actually died from brain cancer. Mm. So that definitely it was a big hit because, uh, again, he was my he was my top mentor back in the day and he died of brain cancer, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. And then as also my mother, my still alive to this day, thank God, is mm -hmm. she had breast cancer herself. So it definitely, you know, it hit close to home. So it was definitely a motivated uh, thesis that he uh, suggested to me. So that's why one of the reasons I jumped on board. Okay, good. Yeah, and I I can relate uh, very similar scenarios and as uh, as chief with a line of duty uh, cancer death and my mom with breast cancer herself at the same time. And as you said, uh, thank God she's still with us today and uh, doing everything to beat it. So uh, we 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 share with that. So then the what and the how, and obviously this is uh, probably a little easier, but. What was your methodology of study as we get ready to talk about those seven things you, you, you know, really came up with? What was the methodology of study and how did you tackle the topic? Well, this is where I divided it into what was the methodology I wanted to do and what I was advised to do by my thesis advisor. Uh, hmm. When you're a firefighter, the, the, the methodology I wanted to use was, uh, you know, as it, when we're on a fire scene, you identify the problem and you solve the problem. So I wish I was able to do with my thesis like that, but it, it, my thesis advisors got a little more complicated where they wanted me to identify the problem. All right, then you have to prove it was the problem with evidence. Then you have to find departments that have done this. Uh, I call them case studies. In mine, I did the FDNY in Palm Beach County in Florida. And then you have to take the solutions and then find a common theme, you know? So a couple more steps involved versus what I wanted to do. Sure. Yeah. So, so that uh, uh, that definitely throws a wrinkle into it when you come into it with the mindset <laughs> of, yeah, I'd love to do it this, and your advisors go, ah, that's nice, but no, yeah, so, they wanted me provide evidence, provide evidence, provide evidence. You know, it's yeah. easy to say, you know, we lack funding. All right, now find the evidence that you do lack funding to implement something. And sounds that like was the different. Definitely yep. difficult way to find, you know, sounds like a bunch of lawyers. Find me evidence. I got it. Yep. All right. Yep. So that's that's good stuff. It's um, so that no no offense to any lawyer should be taken. Uh, I just want to <laughs> that disclaimer out there in my comment. So as um, as you went through that process and you developed uh, the evidence and you began putting it all together, uh, you came up with these seven implementation barriers. And I'm going to go through them one by one. So we're, we're going to take them one, one bite at a time here. 
so you, you came up with these seven barriers. And as we go through them, I'd like you to uh, provide a possible solution that uh, either you identified or maybe something you've come up with since um, or a takeaway for fire departments that would be great for each of these. Mm-hmm. So the the first one uh, is something that we could spend. Uh, frankly, we could spend years talking about fire department <laughs> culture. Fire department yes. culture was the number one barrier you identified. So let's go. Uh, again, fire, if any firefighter knows out there, the uh, fire departments have their own unique culture, where be it big or small, be it volunteer or uh, paid, it's it, every uh, unique culture in itself. Where mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's tough to describe unless you're a firefighter. You know, the wives of firefighters know the culture we have, and it's just it's it's so ingrained in the fire department that it's definitely. Uh, uh, as I could have wrote, let's just say I could have wrote the thesis itself just on culture, where so what you know it, it. Yeah. So what is it about that culture that it, that creates the barrier for, for people? Uh, well, at least, at least in my thesis, I broke down. Uh, I made it again, firemen like visuals. So I broke. Uh, uh, I made the visual of uh, firefighter culture is like an onion, and you know how there's multiple layers of onion of the onion, and you you. To start at the surface is what they call artifacts is uh, in my thesis, I made the artifacts into uh, the dirty uh, bunker gear is, you know, it's the surface where you could actually see it. And as you get deeper into the onion, it gets deeper into the subconscious of the firefighter. So the artifacts or the bunker gear of the surface, then department values are the next layer. And the core of the onion is, uh, I call them underlying assumptions. Captain, as we talk about that onion, let, let's look at each uh-huh. one of those layers. Let's let's start where you want to start, but let's look at each of those layers. Sure. So the first layer, the outside layer, the, which one they say the easiest to change is the artifacts. And the number one artifact that I identified was the dirty bunker gear and how it's uh, they see it as, uh, or again, some firefighters see it as a badge of honor, a guy that's experienced, a guy that goes to work, you know. The more smoke on the face, the more experienced you are. The dirtier gear, the more experienced you are. But is where if you want to change that, you have to educate firefighters saying, no, that firefighter is not smart. He's got, I call it contamination, a cancer all over him. He's not educated. Where the, the, the clean firefighter with the clean gear and the clean helmet, he's the smart one. So you do that through education where uh, multiple layers of education where on your posters or on your videos, you're you're showing clean guys. You're not showing the movie theater or, you know, with the guy all covered in smoke and stuff like that. No, you're showing the clean guy where that's the smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. So then what's next? And then uh, then my next layer is the uh, organizational values. And one of the uh, organizational values I, uh, uh, identified was uh, it is tough to say for me to say I admit it is uh, loyalty where firefighters we have loyalty to each other and they could be good and bad of that where you know you're going to help the guy move into a new house or you know fix his car stuff like that but then also loyalty can be bad is because where if a guy is not wearing his mask or his SCBA on the fire ground are you going to say something to him yeah. or even though you know he should be wearing it 
it, it's where it, that loyalty barrier is actually, it affects us where it's bad, you know? So how do we change that? To me, it, it's tough to change, but at least when you, the, the, the ways you change values, or at least the way it's suggested with researches is, is when, when you're recruiting guys or women, or, or when you're promoting them, the firefighters, or when you're training firefighters, is you introduce or you try to change those values during recruitment, promotion, and training. Yeah, much easier to introduce it at the front end, but that still leaves you with the legacy yes. folks, if you will. Um, any advice on on for those legacy folks or for fire departments to be able uh, to use to to cultivate that values change that you spoke about because what you what you just hit on i could point to a thousand pictures and a thousand fires where people aren't wearing what they should be wearing at a particular point in time or they're not cleaning what should be cleaned and then you know they're walking right by chiefs and right by captains and lieutenants yes. and you know and all kinds of folks who see it so any advice on how to change it more specifically for the legacy side of the house well well, that might get into the compliance part of my barrier, if you want to say where, yeah. you know, it, it uh, yes, 100 percent. I've seen at least even after writing this thesis, yes, the hardest people to get buy in from is those mm. upper echelons because they've done it for 20, 30 years the way sure. they've done it. And where to me, the as you said, the or I, the the best time is to get them during recruitment. Yeah. Or when they're when they're in the fire academy, because they're so easily influenced yeah. and where you could give them that education and they'll take it throughout their career. Yeah. So and definitely it, yeah. as you're it's in training, uh, making sure that you get the, the right pictures and the right uh, content to, influ to influence those. Yes. Seniors, guys or, or women, I would say, yes. All right. Maybe if they are trying to get promoted, you, you, you reinforce it then or during annual training or again, I don't know how other departments do their trainings. You are going over that where you keep trying to make that impression of education, education. And maybe, you know, they might open their ear once or twice, but they might open their ear and say, how again? This is also into other how it affects their families, and you know them being having all this contamination over them it affects their family because every fireman knows they're at risk, but not their family. Yeah, at least they don't believe it. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so artifacts and values, and then what's the next layer? Uh, the last, the final, the the deep, deep subconscious. I call them underlying assumptions. Is where uh, fire as firefighters. We believe that injury and death are literally just part of the job is mm -hmm. where we're either going to get injured or, like you said, we're going to die and that we accept that. Uh, I questioned, at least in my thesis, why do we accept that is yeah. why do we have to get injured? Why do we have to die if we're if uh, the one way I said they could at least try it again? This is the most difficult layer is to at least a department to start um, promoting a safety culture of where you don't need to get injured, you don't need to die, where you get away from that, you know, where if you do proper preventive measures of preventing cancer, wearing your SCBA, cleaning your gear, you're not going to get injured and you might not get cancer, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, not an easy onion to uh, peel for sure. And, uh, and I appreciate you going into that. So the second barrier you talked about was the firefighters ignorance of the disease 
and of prevention methods. So let's dive into that. Correct. Uh, yes, or I also called it the lack of awareness. Is mm -hmm. where, as you mentioned in the intro, where or your personal story is where uh, firefighters don't know that cancer is the current number one killer of li for line of duty deaths. Is where yeah. they think it's heart disease, or they think it's yes, the guy's gonna die, or the woman's gonna die in a blaze of glory. You know, where it's not that it's you're gonna die. You know, from cancer five, ten years, fifteen, twenty years from now, because of your uh, work as a firefighter. So that's definitely the, they lack that. So if you say to a guy, hey, no, you're going to die of cancer in five, 10, 15, they're going to take it serious or at least hope to take it serious. Uh, but the other ignorant one I, that people are ignorant of is, uh, which I went in just previously, is how uh, you, how your actions affect your family at home mm -hmm. is where uh, the, I mentioned in the, this part of the thesis is where um, the SSE, the Sylvester uh, Comprehensive Cancer Institute, in one of the case studies I go over is they provided a video of where they used a uh, crime scene powder and they, they had a guy fully uh, dressed up in his bunkie gear and they dumped crime scene powder all over him. And you know how you use that light to make the crime scene powder uh, appear? Yeah, the black light. So yeah. They, yeah, so they put it all over him, had him do all stuff to make it look like he was fighting a fire. And then they literally had him walk around the firehouse. And then at the end, they had him actually playing ball with his kid. And you could actually, afterwards, they actually used the crime scene uh, light. And you could actually see of all the contamination got everywhere over the firehouse. And actually on the ball, he was playing his kid with it, And it's all over his kid. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And um, I believe that we'll be able to find the link to that. Um, I've yeah. seen the video a couple of times. And we'll put that up in our show notes as well. Because uh, it is an extremely powerful uh, video. Right. Um, and like you said again, before, firefighters are visual. Yes. And guys, uh, you know, they, they think, all right, yes, uh, as I said, they, I'm going to get injured. I'm going to get death. But once you mention a guy's a kid's family, oh, that that takes it to the next level. Where, oh, may, maybe I do have to take this seriously. Yeah. So are there other specific prevention methods that um, you think we're we're ignorant of? And I, and I understand you're not saying that uh, as negatively as it probably sounds. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, well, that uh, uh, that we can help fire departments improve on any nuggets of helping them improve uh, their ignorance, if you will, of these issues. Oh, 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 well, which mentioned where you say you're going to put the video up is also uh, – to overcome well, guys are also ignorant of uh, how to how to prevent it guys don't you know don't know hey maybe i they don't know they should wash their gear they don't know they should use wipes after fire to clean their skin they don't know they should shower as soon as they can after fire they don't know that they don't know that there's actually scientific studies that state this will help prevent so the what a department could do is there's multiple ways to over to me overcome this implementation barrier or to uh, literally create signs or posters. Uh, one sign in particular is uh, one problem is that uh, firefighters, after uh, responding to a fire, they always wear their gear, even around the firehouse in, uh, uh, they call them family areas where in the kitchen and where you're, you're spreading that uh, contamination throughout the firehouse. If the, what has been effective is 
putting literally a sign on the door to the kitchen or on the door to the family area or to the offices saying you are not allowed to wear bunker gear past this point to yeah. keep the bunker gear where the apparatus is or where the bunker gear is supposed to be not in the kitchen yeah so yeah that, and yeah. How, how expensive is the sign you know sure five cents ten cents where literally just doing that to me has been effective yeah, and this goes right to what uh, Chief Lieb was talking about, too, with just that messaging, you know, yes. that, uh, you know, how we're messaging to not just you've you've hit on a lot of the points of it. You know, the the pictures that we use in our marketing and in our training and uh, uh, recruitment. But then also once you're in the fire station, the messaging that, hey, gear's not allowed past this point. You know, yes. it's uh, you can say it all day long, but put the sign up and and you said it. How expensive is the sign? Heck, it, yes. if, if you're if money is a problem, write it on a piece of paper and tape it to the wall. You oh, know, and it, these uh, these signs are also available online. Where yeah, it, absolutely. Multiple web, in my thesis, there's multiple websites where you can either sign find the signs or the the videos we discussed previously. There's tons of videos that Good. you could either a department could create themselves if they want, or they could take offline where there's actually generic videos where it's not specific to an individual department or you know it's not the fdny it's actually a generic one yep yep good stuff there and that uh, folks is another reason to go to his thesis in the show notes uh, to be able to get that information use it for yourself so the next so we've talked uh, first about fire department culture then we talked about uh, number two was firefighters ignorance of the disease and prevention methods number three the number three barrier um, uh, for fire departments uh, implementing uh, cancer reduction strategies, uh, you said is the complacency caused by cancer's long latency periods. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that for a second and, and how we can change that. Well, again, I, I every cancer uh, 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 diagnosis or uh, disease is different where I could be exposed today but then only develop the cancer five, 10, 15 years from now. Sure. So it's, def it's definitely where, you know, where we're firefighters, where, you know, if we hit our, hit our hand with an ax, we're going to feel it right away. Right. Kind of thing. So it's definitely that tough where we're firefighters are always exposed to what I call them high risk environments where we're running into burning buildings. So am I going to care about something that happens five, 10, 15 years from now? It's, it's a tough argument, you know? Heck, heck, the the firefighter that hits himself in the hand with the axe, they're going to do everything they can to hide that. So, <laughs> you know, if uh, if they're going to do that, let's let's be real about it. If they're going to do that, they're going to hide every every opportunity they can to not have to be off the job. That goes yes. back to that culture. Um, yes, yes. Firefighters it, work injured, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, yes. where uh, they've got bad backs, bad hips, and but they still they work every day. You know. Yeah. So it's um, certainly helping people understand that while it may be years away, uh, if you were to take some of the simple preventative steps, then it'll be more and more years away. Yes, and, or and that, not at all. Correct. Or, or exactly. And, and that uh, therein lies our challenge of, uh, of, of the, changing the complacency. Yes. Anything yeah, else on complacency there? Oh, yeah, the least the, the way I, I at least delved into a way, uh, as you said, is to overcome it is to bring that outside data in. I know Frank had actually mentioned it. I listened to the podcast is where, uh, again, delving into uh, a firefighter's kids 
is where there was a study at a Kitsap, Kitsap Fire Department is where they actually studied the kids of firefighters and they actually found that kids of firefighters have increased rates of cancer. So it, the, the, the main statistic that came out of it is that of Kitsap firefighters, one of 204 children will have cancer versus the natural rate of it, which is like one in 10,000. Yeah. So it's a huge, where you're bringing that data, uh, that especially to a, a, a firefighter's kids of, hey, you got to start doing something because your kids are going to feel it. Yeah, we've, we've got to make a difference and maybe driving home the personal family connection is uh, maybe, just maybe, that's yes. what will finally help break that complacency. And, and the other big one I found is to overcome complacency is uh, one of the things that I found was, is I called to find opportunity in crisis. It's unfortunate, but let's say a very popular firefighter dies from cancer or is diagnosed with cancer in the fire department. That is a good I don't, it's sad to say a good opportunity to implement something is yeah. where uh, well, one example I definitely put in there was uh, Tucson fire, fire department is where they had a very popular uh, veteran fire investigator uh, get diagnosed and die from, but after they did that, their chief, uh, his name's uh, John Gulata, uh, chief of safety actually made his fire investigators now wear masks. So, and, you know, if you do that, especially when it affects the department, you're going to get less pushback. Yeah. Yeah. And that is unfortunate. You know, some may say um, that that's we, we as a culture, uh, management culture or leadership culture are exploiting those unfortunate deaths. But you know what? It's, it's it's not. uh, Yes, it's unfortunate, but it's a good opportunity. It sucks. Yeah, it's good. You know. Yeah, it's not. It's not exploitation. It's we're learning. We're learning from every one of these. And if we don't take the actions right away, when we're you know, when we have notice in front of us that there's a need for change and we don't take the actions, well, then we we become complicit. So. I choose to not look at it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I choose to not look at it as exploitation. Um, it, it is uh, it's it's our mission and our duty to act when uh, we have something in front of us. So thanks. I, I appreciate that. So firefighter culture or fire department culture, ignorance of the disease, complacency. The fourth one was funding. Yes, about- F- funding is pre-explanatory in itself is where you don't have any money to buy the proper equipment or you don't have the money to put a shower in the fire station or buy a firefighter a second set of gear or. Uh, multiple, you don't have money to buy wipes. You you have to buy fuel for your trucks. You have to, you know, put the lights on in the fire station. It's, it's definitely uh, where to find that money. That's yeah. the barrier I went into. So how about uh, ideas for people? Um, I mean, other than the obvious of, of preaching to your elected officials that you need the money, what else can people do to overcome that barrier? Well, well, just quickly, you mentioned it right there is there was actually uh, in regards to preaching to your politics, uh, politicians, is where in my thesis, I actually gave a tool or a study. It was in 2017, there was a RAND study released where it was actually brand new, where it gave uh, fire departments power because the RAND study actually went into and estimated how much a firefighter getting cancer would actually be worth an estimated dollar value of how much you would lose. So they, it, they actually break it down by cancer 
but it, let's say a firefighter gets cancer, that's going to cost the city $800,000, I think was yeah. one of the numbers. So yeah. you actually put a dollar value of, all right, these wipes are only going to cost a grand versus $800,000. All right, let's get the wipes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um, and, and it's unfortunate you go back to um, what we were just talking about with with the complacency that um, and and the latency is politicians are typically looking at funding in today's dollars. And when you, when you're talking about uh, taking preventative steps, it's difficult to convince, especially in smaller departments, which, you know, the large number of departments across the country are smaller departments that don't have uh, the FDNY budgets, or in my case, the PGFD budgets, or, you know, those, they don't have those large budgets. So, um, you know, figuring that nut out is, um, that's why that study was so yeah hey this is actually put a dollar amount on a guy getting yeah. cancer where you yeah. could use that at the politicians yeah and using grants to be able to pick a lot of these things up you know those are one-time opportunities um correct yeah. but they you know ultimately politicians have got to get to the point where they pony up the money to uh, take care of their people so yeah good good stuff so fire department culture ignorance of the disease and prevention methods complacency because of the latency uh, funding, and then the fifth barrier that you identified were pathways to compliance with national and department policies. And we started to address this um, up in the beginning under culture. So let's let's spend a little time on this one. So pathways to compliance with national and department policies. Uh, well, again, this is where you uh, you may have a policy, uh, but no one enforces it. Uh, where that leader, you said that the, the guy walking by the chief that doesn't have a mask on, why doesn't the chief say something? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or to me, when I'm in in the uh, fire room or, you know, the guys are overhauling mm-hmm. and they don't have their mask on. Uh, why, why isn't the officer saying something to them? Why isn't the senior firefighter saying something? Hey, put your mask back on. Or why don't you have it on? Yeah. Yeah. And so, let's hope. Let's hope that senior, in that case, that senior guy's got theirs on. Because, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that, again, that goes into my end part is where, yes, it is that leadership part is the most powerful is because you lead by example. So yeah. me, I wear my mask when, you know, even during overall, I keep it on. Because if I have air in my cylinder, I'm going to keep it on, you know? Yeah. So what else did you identify in there in the barrier that maybe we can offer to departments of ways to, uh, you know, create or or get on those pathways to compliance? Uh, well, the, a couple of things is uh, definitely one was, uh, again, when when you're in the academy, you are so uh, influenced is where, especially in regards to wearing your mask or wearing your SBA is tell the tell the new firefighters or we call them probies in the FDNY is that you need to wear your mask and you're going to uh, face that criticism or to take your mask off, but don't do it. You know, you might get your balls busted a little bit, but you explain to them, this is why I'm keeping it on. I'm trying to keep my kids safe. And what firefighter is going to come back at you and say, oh, I don't care about your kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so no. you, you, you empower them with that, you know, hey, you're going to face that criticism. Just be ready for it. Yeah. Uh, Uh, The other one is we went into it uh, is where the leaders, you wear your mask themselves, because I have been uh, been told by one of my firefighters is that they see it with me on. They're going to keep theirs on. 
because yeah. that, that if you're supposed to be following your officer at all times, if he's doing this, you're doing that. So keep your mask on when I have it on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other one I went into is uh, uh, if a department could provo- provide more comfortable equipment. If it, uh, there is a study, if uh, in regards to uh, uh, safety equipment, is if a safety equipment is not comfortable, guys are not going to wear it. You know, firefighters and, and women are not going to wear the equipment. Sure. Uh, yeah. And the other one is I have is that supposedly is effective is in Boston. Boston, they actually provide their firefighters with air monitoring is where it will actually show them that there's bad stuff in the air where, you know, firefighters think uh, the fire's out all is well. But if you have a, a an alarm going off, beeping, saying the air's no good, they're going to keep their mask on. Sure. Yeah, Boston's done a lot of good work on uh, uh, cancer prevention. So there's a lot of good stuff out there on that. Yep. Um, do, do you guys provide that now at FDNY, the personal air monitoring? No. Uh, the, okay. the, the, monitor, the only monitor that uh, we have on usually is a, the officers only is a uh, carbon monoxide detector. Okay. All right. So, but the, the carbon monoxide detectors are going off, uh, you know, during, after a fire. But yeah. again, how many how many guys take that serious? But if everyone to me had a carbon monoxide detector going off in the air, maybe they might hesitate to take it off. Yeah. Okay. So, fire department culture, ignorance of the disease and prevention, complacency and latency, uh, funding, uh, compliance. That's the first five. The sixth barrier was group think. Talk to us about that. Uh, group think. Well, to me, again, people might ask what group think is. Uh, to me, the quote that defined it is when we all think alike, no one thinks. Is mm-hmm. We're all thinking the same. No one's thinking at all, you know? Yeah. And it's definitely as uh, firefighters, we're all usually uh, like minded. Uh, we're all usually from the same area. We all have the same goals for the most part, so we all are alike. <laughs> yeah. So is is anyone thinking? You know. Right. So so how do we overcome that uh, in our culture? Uh, to me, was uh, as education is definitely key, as you've seen throughout my uh, thesis, is providing right. education that uh, that there is such thing as groupthink, of where we you know you need. Uh, is my next one is you need a uh, devil advocate is where you need a guy that disagrees. It may suck when a guy disagrees with you, but he could give you the opposite view where it actually will make you think. So yeah. a a group or a, 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 again, towards the end, a work group should have that devil advocate that maybe disagrees with you and says, no, maybe we should do it this way. And the one way you get that devil advocate is to have, that uh, an outside person that maybe isn't a firefighter or maybe is a retired firefighter or maybe is that brand new probie or new firefighter that hasn't gotten into the culture or into the system yet that actually is thinking differently. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that would be an interesting uh, scenario there to watch uh, with the, the new <laughs> firefighter in the devil's advocate role. That uh, That's certainly a cultural uh, change for a lot of folks. And uh, But... Uh, to me in a good way, you know? Where, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, sure. Sure. Yeah. At the end of the day, absolutely. It's just, uh, you know, getting us past that culture, which is really the whole discussion here, right? Yeah. 
So, um, okay, so fire department culture, uh, ignorance and uh, of the disease and prevention methods, complacency and latency, funding, pathways to compliance, groupthink, and the seventh and final barrier that you identified in your thesis was motivation. Yes, so, where it is to motivate the fires, uh, motivate the firefighters who, uh, to, to take healthy actions, to, you know, to, again, you could kind of, it goes almost back to complacency a little bit, where guys will lose that motivation. I, I definitely saw that when I was doing my research, where it's, uh, or, or reading articles that uh, officers or department leaders have tough times motivating their firefighters. So how, how do you motivate those firefighters, which I went into, is uh, maybe uh, firefighters are motivated uh, intrinsically and extrinsically, where mm-hmm. It, you might motivate a firefighter intrinsically by maybe assigning them to a, uh, I call a challenging task or literally just saying, Hey, good job. Yeah, like, thanks for doing that. You know, literally just telling a guy, good job. Or extri- extrinsically, you might, you know, recognize that guy with an award or, Hey, a mention in a local newsletter or a local media. Yeah. And another way to educate the guy is again, education or to overcome motivation is to educate them about disease and say uh, where you educate them about disease and then that's motivating them to take uh, healthy actions where hey if i do this uh, i'm going to be healthy yeah and and going back to it that's a difficult nut to crack that uh in our culture when you're trying to motivate them to overcome something that has so much latency in its appearance so yeah. it, um, I fully recognize the complexity of, of what you went through with the, the paper and the study, and I appreciate you identifying um, those seven barriers that, uh, and, and then providing some insight for fire departments to be able to use in uh, fighting those barriers or changing those barriers or breaking them down. Um, yeah. You know, to be able to be able to get us to where we're thinking and acting more in a preventative. Uh, preventative way uh, and, and then there's one final thing i just want to mention with that because we you, you broke them down oh i broke them down into seven but just yeah. to let everyone know that it it might not just be culture it might be where if you fix culture or to me it, one example i gave is if you get funding for new equipment that is comfortable you're going to also sol- solve complete complacency at the same or uh, compliance at the same time sure. so one barrier affects another barrier well, you're going to affect you're going to you're going to affect their ability to comply. Yeah. So <laughs> whether they comply still becomes barriers. a personal choice in many cases. But I'm just saying you'll tackle two barriers at once yeah. if you just tackle one. So they aren't I presented them separately of culture of funding, but if you do one, it affects the others. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it actually they they could they're all interdependent uh, when you yeah. think about. Um, they all have the potential to change culture, and um, uh, er- every one of them are interdependent on each other to be able to to lower each other. So that's that's good stuff. So can we encapsulize and can you give um, any major takeaways for fire departments uh, to be able to provide their members with the tools, training, and education and awareness that we're talking about here? Do you have any major takeaways you can give them? Uh, well, again, I, at the end, I broke them down into the, the, the three, I call them three themes, was uh, education, 
leadership and uh, setting up a work group is mm-hmm. it, it's a good dive into education is yes, where uh, to me, the academy is one of the most important aspects of this is because guys are so uh, I met myself, I was very influenced in the academy where it is a critical time to get to the firefighters is where to teach them about cancer is where the guys training them should be involved, where they should not be wearing uh, uh, dirty gear, where a a guy uh, teaching at the academy should have clean gear, always wearing his gear. And uh, other ways I went into where you you have to tell the firefighter they're going to face out in the field, they're going to face criticism or where, hey, always wear your SVA, even though if you're criticized, is again influencing them in the academy yeah and then th- throughout throughout a firefighter's career is you don't say it once and be done with it you actually have to say it uh there was a study i think like six to eight times throughout a person's career until they fully get it so hmm. you have to keep every annually or m- multiple times during training where you have to keep influencing them or keep it uh introducing them to the topic yeah no, absolutely. And I I, uh, I could point to some circumstances where six times wasn't enough, but that's a podcast, <laughs> for, that, podcast for another day. Um, uh, the other one, so how about uh, the leadership? Leadership is, uh, it, uh, where I said previously during the podcast, is uh, you have to lead by example, is where that captain, that high-ranking person needs to be wearing their mask as well or needs to have clean gear. So the the firefighters look up to you. All right, this person's doing it. Maybe I should be doing it. They've been on the fire department a while. They know what they're doing. And then also leadership for the work group is that you need a buy-in from your leadership uh, that you, Hey, I want to, uh, you need to support me and empower me to uh, uh, accomplish these recommendations or goals where you can't be against me when I say, hey, we need to buy a second set of gear or, hey, we need to enforce this mass policy. You need to say, I support you 100 percent, because if you have a, a leadership versus the work group, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah and, the fi- and the final thing, as I said, was the work group is where through bo- both my case studies, uh, like I said, and you mentioned in the beginning, I was involved in the FDNY's contamination reduction work is the work group gives you in a department an opportunity to uh, to examine a department's values, to uh, recommend training, to to the f- pretty much to fill in the gaps where it, it, it gives, uh, again, gives that opportunity for a department to, to tackle the problem. Not just it's one guy, it's, you know, it's a, a variety of guys at ranks and jobs of where they could all make an in- impact together. And it's very powerful. You have that work group. Yeah. Yeah. It, it certainly, um, I used work groups and task force depending on the length of, uh, time that uh, a particular issue was going to be there. Uh, not only does it, um, allow the group of people, uh, the opportunity to have their voice heard, but it em- it empowers them and the group to influence the culture. Um, a, a much easier when that group of people is coming up with that than just you. You know that uh, that makes a big difference. Captain, do you have anything else you'd like to talk to us about today? 
my final word, if you want to say, is that, uh, which I say in my thesis, is that through, throughout our career, we literally train as firefighters to save other firefighters. It, to, you know, if a guy, a guy or woman goes down, we, we train almost every uh, uh, work shift is how to get that guy out, how to help them or how to pull her out if she, you know, gets trapped. And why can't we take that same motivation to tell a guy or a woman, hey, after fire, go take a shower or go get your gear cleaned. Why is it just on the fire ground that we're pulling the, the person out? And why can't we say, hey, just go take a shower? Because you're also saving that person by telling them to do that. Yeah. No, absolutely. And um, and again, influencing that culture one conversation at a time. Correct. So, well, I appreciate you spending time with us today. I want to uh, capture some of what we talked about um, uh, today with um, Captain uh, John uh, Hazany from the Fire Department of New York, uh, where he's been since 2005. We talked about uh, his thesis uh, where he identified uh, the seven barriers uh, for implementing um, the uh, cancer reduction strategies that uh, you know a lot of the fire service is has been trying to identify and uh, you know he talked about personal and professional cancer experiences that that motivated him and it frankly motivates many of us that uh, that get, find ourselves becoming more and more engaged in uh, the the cancer reduction strategies for the fire service. Uh, so he talked about those and then um, uh, in, into the uh, how, what, and why on the thesis. You can go back and listen to that how, when, uh, how what, and why. Really the meat and potatoes though that we talked about were the seven barriers. And just to rattle off uh, real quick, those seven barriers were fire department culture, uh, was number one. Number two was a uh, firefighter's ignorance of the disease and prevention methods. Number three, uh, complacency caused by cancer's long latency periods. Number four, funding uh, on many levels. Number five, pathways to compliance uh, with national and department policies. Number six, group think as a detriment. And number seven, and it also uh, could be a good thing. And number seven uh, being motivations what those motivations are. And then ultimately the three major takeaways to help fire departments were education, leadership, and establishing a work group or the opportunity for a work group. And on education, the big piece of that being the repetitive uh, reinforcement of the right actions from the academy on through retirement. Uh, and how um, he, uh, uh, John mentioned that uh, a study had been done that it, it takes six times for someone to quote unquote get it. And as I uh, indicated, I've been to many a case where six times wasn't enough. At the end of the day, that needs to be from academy on through retirement. Uh, that was the uh, number one takeaway. Then the second of the three was leadership, uh, being the lead by example, and specifically for chiefs and captains and lieutenants and, and anybody that has folks reporting to them, that they're leading by example with respect to their mask, with respect to their clean gear, with respect to uh, the use of wipes or any of those uh, things, that they're not wearing their gear in the station uh, where uh, they're not supposed to be wearing it, where signs have been posted. And then number three was the establishment of a work group and the ability to uh, let the work group examine the department's values and goals as a group uh, and that uh, how leadership needs to have buy-in 
frankly, you need to have buy-in from all levels, and that's how you develop it, is you develop it with one of those work groups that gives people that opportunity. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for uh, today. I've been talking with uh, Captain Hazany from the uh, Fire Department of New York. I appreciate him taking the time today to be with us, and I appreciate our listeners hanging in there with us. This is Mark Bashore, Executive Editor for FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. Have a great day on purpose. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.